Hi, I'm Danny Simon, and I lead the New Life Fellowship Church here at Manipal. I'm so glad that you tuned in with us today to listen to our audio podcast. Do subscribe so that you can tune in every week. You know, I believe that a spoken word can change lives, and my prayer and my hope is that as you listen to today's message, it will change your life as you know it. Enjoy the message. All right, so we're in week three of the series, you know, that we started two weeks ago. Okay, and I titled the whole series message name as "Send Location." All right, some of you know what I'm talking about. So let me just, you know, do a quick recap of, you know, whatever that we have looked at, okay, over the past two weeks, okay, and we'll go into today's session as well. Uh, "Send Location" is a term that is very, very common to all of us today. How do I know? Because every time I want you to picture this, every time you are in a specific place, you are in a specific location, and your friend asks you, "Where are you?" All right, and they say, and you text them back, and you tell them, "Listen, I'm at so and so place," and they say, "We don't know where that place is." What's the next thing that comes up in your text message? Send location. All right, and today, you know, again, I'm not, you know, they're not paying me for this. Okay, Google Maps or Apple, they're not paying me for this. Okay, I'm just saying. All right, we use the app that we have when we send the location, and what does that app do? The app not only shows the location where you're situated at, but it also shows you a step-by-step direction in order to be able to reach the location where you want to be. I believe, you know, when it comes to our relationship with God, when it comes to our walk with the Lord, you might have been just, you know, maybe you just begun your relationship with God. Maybe you've been walking with God for years together. But I still believe that, you know, we are all on what I would like to call as a journey. And God has a very specific location that He wants me, He wants you, all of us to reach this place. Why? So that man, we can bear the fruit that He's called us to be. All right. This is what we've been looking at over the last two weeks. Okay, and um, I believe you know this this parable that we've been looking at. How many of you remember which parable we've been looking at? Which parable? The parable of the soul. All right. Um, and I'm praying and I'm hoping that you know we've, we've been we're looking at this whole parable for four weeks. I'm praying and hoping that by the end of these four weeks, this parable should be a viral thing for you. You should know this parable inside out, okay? And I'll tell you why because Jesus mentioned this. So let me just you know go through this parable again, all right? And uh, set this up, okay, once again for all of us this morning. Parable of the sower, Mark's Gospel, chapter four, was one to eight. This is Jesus speaking, okay? And, and again, he began. Jesus began to teach by the sea, and a great multitude was gathered to him, so that he got into a boat and sat it out on the sea. And the whole multitude on the was on the land facing the sea. Then he taught them many things by parables, and he said to them in his teaching, verse three: Listen, behold, a sower went out to sow, and it happened as he sowed that some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds of the air came and devoured them. All right, that's the first group of people in this parable of the sower. There are four groups of people that Jesus is pointing out, referring to. All right, and if you remember very distinctly, okay, each of the message, okay, I've titled it based on the groups you know that I've, I've told you about. And the first group of people that I believe, you know, when he's talking about there, you know, the the seed that fell on the wayside are the group of people which I would like to call, okay. And if you remember this, you know, how many of you remember this? Group? Anybody? Yeah, say that a lot. I mean, don't, don't disappoint me. Okay, I spent a lot of time working on this message. What's the first group called? It's called exploring God. The people in this group, I believe, and let me let me put this up again, all right? The, the the whole idea, okay, about all these four groups of people. You go to any church, 
Let it be a church of 20 people. Let it be a church of 200 people. Let it be a church of 2,000 people. I promise you that you will find each people in one of these four groups. You will. The group that's called as Exploring God is a group that I believe, you know, they, they're just exploring. They're just, you know, finding out things about God. They're getting to know God. They're getting to, you know, learn a few things about Him. But they have not come into a place where they decided that, listen, I want to have a relationship with Alright, that's the group I believe Jesus is talking about when he spoke about the people, you know, about the seed that fell on the wayside. Alright, and the birds of the air came and devoured. Verse 5, some fell on stony ground, second group. Some fell on the stony ground where it did not have much earth and immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth. This is the second group of people. This is the group that, you know, and like I said, this is my poor representation of the cross. Okay, I want to imagine. I want you to put on your imagination caps as wild as you can today. Imagine this is a cross. Alright? The people who are exploring God, okay, when they decide to move into this group, they've decided that, listen, I believe Jesus died for me. I believe that, you know, Jesus, when he went upon the cross, he was thinking of me. He took my sins upon that cross. And I want to enter into a relationship with Jesus Christ. They're the ones who have made that commitment. They've taken that step. And this is the group, you know, once you're exploring God, you've made a commitment. You come into this group that's called as beginning in God. This is the group that I believe when he's talking about the ones that fell on stony ground. Alright? The group, you know, the people, you know, they, they did decide, okay, listen, I've accepted Christ. I've, you know, started going to church regularly. I've, I've, I've started reading my Bible regularly. I'm learning how to pray. I'm learning how to read my Bible. This is the stage, you know, that we call the ones who are beginning in God. They've just come to know Jesus Christ and they, you know, they, they, they're hungry for God and, you know, they, they want to get what they can. But this is the group, you know, that, you know, that says, Jesus says, this is the group that, you know, the scene, the word of God, it fell on stony ground. And what happened then? It did not have much earth. So, when the sun, when the sun came up, it was scorched and the seed just withered away. Alright? Verse 7, it talks about the third group and some seed fell among thorns and the thorns grew up and choked it and it yielded no crop. This is the third group of people. That's what we're going to look at today. All right. This is a group that I like to call as close to God. These are the people, you know, they're not just beginning in their relationship with God. They've been walking with God for a few years. They know how to pray. They know how to read God's word. They, they, they're very faithful in church. They're, you know, doing all of these things. And they are really close to God. Anytime they want to make a decision, they do approach God. They do pray about it. They do all of those things. All right. But what is it talking about here? Jesus says, this group, you know, the seed fell among thorns and the thorns grew up and choked it and it yielded no crop. In other words, you know, they were doing what they could do, but they didn't see the results many times in the areas that they hoped that God And then Jesus talks about the last verse 8. But the other seed fell on good ground and yielded a crop that sprang up, increased and produced what? Some 34, some 60 and some 100. The last group that Jesus talks about in this parable as a group that I want to call as God's. Alright? And you know, and I've said this over the last two weeks and I'll say it again. What's the difference between the people who are close to God and what's the difference between people who are God-centered? There's a vast difference. Alright? The people who are close to God, let me give you, I've given you so many, so many analogies over the last two weeks, okay? And again, Everything is up there on the podcast. If you missed one, you want to go back and listen to it, please go back and listen to it, okay? Let me give you a quick analogy again, just to explain the difference between the two. If you're just close to God, and imagine you're driving a car. How many of you know how to drive a car? Drive a car? 
maybe you have a license and you don't drive. How can you? Some come of you raising up your hands. Okay. She's just like that, my wife. Okay, she's. Okay. I have freedom to talk to you when she's not here, I think. Okay, but I'm saying, you know, I mean, imagine, okay, you know how to drive the car. And if you're driving your car, the car of your life, you know who's behind the steering wheel? You are. You might be close to God and God would be on the adjacent seat. But you know what you're indirectly telling God? God, I'm still in charge of my life. You tell me where to go, I'll, 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 I'll turn my car that direction. But you got to tell me and I, I, I'm not sure if I want to let go of this wheel and I want to give it over to you. The people who are God-centered have come into a place in their relationship with God where they realize that, you know what? I'm taking my hands off the wheel. God, you drive the cars from the back seat. You take this car in whatever direction that you want to. They've come into a place where they've let go of everything. They've let go of everything that they're holding on to in their lives. And they're saying, God, you take complete control in every area of my life. Again, we will we'll discuss you know, both these groups you know, this week and next week as well. But I'm saying, you know, the place which I believe Jesus wants each of us to be is in this group. The God sent And, you know, like I said, you know, this, the whole idea of this whole series is not to, you know, think about people as I'm describing. I don't want you to think about people, oh, I know who falls in that group. I know who falls in that I want you to evaluate your own life. And figure out, man, when amongst these groups, you know, which one do I follow? Because I promise you, if you're honest with yourself, you will know exactly which group you fall into. I know I fall into one. And trust me, I'm not here. I'm not here. I might be somewhere in between, you know, beginning in God and this. And you'll ask me, Pastor, beginning in God? Yes, I am. Somewhere in between beginning in God and close to God. I'm still, you know, evaluating areas in my life where I'm like, okay, God, I'm not sure I can give this to you, but okay, you know, I mean, I'm still there. But here's the thing that I don't want us to miss in this entire series. The reason why I believe God wants me and God wants you to be in this group, because according to Jesus, this is the only group of people that don't Think about it. Every other group that Jesus talks about, every one of these three groups, you know, they're striving, they're working, they're slogging it out, they're doing everything that they can, you know, to see results in every area of their life. But Jesus says the only group that bore fruit was the people that had come into this place where, man, the seed fell on good ground and it bore fruit 30, 60 and 100 fold. Can I ask you this church, how would you like to bear fruit 100 fold? How would you like to be at the top of your class? How would you like to get, you know, the best openings, you know, when it comes to a job opportunity? How would you like to be, you know, like at the top of the world? Bearing fruit in everything that you put your hand into. You put your hand into it, man, you just are so good at it. How would you like to be in that position? Hello? Would you like to bear fruit in your life? Would you like to, you know, get a good academic score? Would you like to get, you know, a good... Job opening, you know, when your, once your course is done. Would you like to get married to someone who is really good? Would you like to have a good marriage, you know, when it comes to future? Some of you are like, no, no, no. But I'm saying, listen, Jesus says, listen, I want you to be in this group of people. Why? Because, man, I want you to bear. Would you turn to the person sitting next to you, you're called, and tell them, you're called to bear. Tell them that. 
And say it like you mean it, okay? Say it like, man, you are called to bear fruit. You are called to bear fruit. You are not called to be a failure. You are not called to, you know, just keep messing up and just somehow you manage to get through. You are called to bear fruit. You are called to be at the top. God's word says, man, you are not called to be the tail, but you are called to be the what? Not the tail, but the head. You are called to bear fruit. You are called for success. But here's the thing that Jesus is saying. You've got to learn to come into this place. And you know what I believe, again, like I said, you know about this parable, okay? I believe God gave us this parable. I believe Jesus told us this parable so that just like, you know, when we think about our maps app, I got it right this time, okay? Otherwise, it's always app and maps. I'm not going to that. And this thing, listen, it's, it's important for us to understand that just like that app, it gives us a step-by-step -step direction, you know, how to get to the location where, you know, you want to get to. God, I believe, through this parable has given us a step-by-step -step direction so that, man, you can come to a place where you are God-centered. That you are God-centered, man. You have let go of, you know, the driving wheel in your life and you have said, God, you take this car wherever you want to go and I'll sit on the back seat and I'll trust you that, man, you can just take it ahead. How many of you have been to driving classes? How was it? Was it a good experience? The person sitting next to you, remember the first few classes that you went through? Hello? If you've been to driving class, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Right? They keep bickering, right? No, stop! No, turn! Go slow! Turn to here! How many of you remember that? Okay, quick story, okay? The guy who taught me driving was short-tempered, okay? And he kept, you know, shouting at me, turn the gear, why are you climbing on the fourth gear? Change, you know, down to the third or the fourth. And he kept, you know, shouting, shouting one day, okay? He gets, you know, and he, keep, he kept changing the car. How many of you had that? The driving instructor kept changing the car that you have to drive, okay? Once, you know, when I was driving, he got me an ambassador. I don't know even if you've seen an ambassador, okay? The ambassador gear is, gearbox is on, you know, right behind the driving wheel. It's not on the floor. Alright? And I'm trying to figure out this gearing box and here he's showing me, put it on the first gear, put it on. And I, you know, I just, I just lost it. I put everything down I said, you know what, I'm trying to figure out the gears and if you don't shut up, I literally, yes, I told him that. Are you really a pastor? If you don't shut up, I'll look at this side. I'll be stuck here the whole day. And then, I, you know what he did for the next whole half an hour we had? I kept his own shot. And finally I figured it out. I'm like, Okay, but I'm just saying, listen, would you come to a place where you trust God so much? You say, God, you try the car. I'm willing to trust you no matter what happens. No matter what turn you take, I'm willing to trust you. I, I, don't, I may not approve of it. It may not look good, you know, from where I'm sitting. But I trust you that if you're taking this car in that direction, I'm going to stick with you, no matter what happens. Alright. What I want to do today is, I want us to look at the third group of people that Jesus mentioned here. Okay, and uh, again, you know, I mentioned this last week, I want to say this again this week, okay. I'm not preaching even today. We're going to study the Bible. Is that okay? Okay, last week we did a little bit of study, I'm going to take it a little further this week. Is that okay? Can I take it a little further today? Alright, okay, you give me the permission. So we're going to go in like a little deeper today, alright? So we're going to look at, you know, what Jesus spoke about the third group of people. What's it called? Thank you. Okay, you bring it. 
The third group of people, Mark's Gospel, chapter 4, verse 7, here's what Jesus said. And some seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no crop. Alright? What is Jesus talking about the third group of people? He's saying the seed that the sower was sowing, it fell among thorns. And what did the thorns do? The thorns grew up, it choked it, and it yielded no crop. Then again, you know, the, 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 if you read through that whole passage again, I mean, looked at this in week one. You know, that Jesus said this parable and he walks away. The disciples chase him down and said, can you please explain that parable? And Jesus explains that parable and look at his explanation for this particular part of the story. Mark's Gospel chapter 4 verse 18 to 19. Here's what he said. Now these are the ones sown among thorns. They are the ones who hear the word. They are the ones who hear the word. And the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desires for other things entering in choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. What they're saying here, what are Jesus explaining? Now these are the ones who are sown among thorns. These are the ones, they are the ones who hear the word. Notice, they hear the word. And what does he say? Three things, okay? The cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desires for other things entering in, choke the word, and it becomes what? Unfruitful. It becomes unfruitful. The word that is sown becomes completely unfruitful. Why? What is the attack that happens on this group of people? Who attacks them? The thorn. The thorn. I started this last week, you know, about when you read through the Bible, when you read through the scripture, it's important for us to recognize that you can't just read it like a book. You can. But if you want to get a deeper understanding of God's word, this is very, very important for us to recognize. If you want to understand God's word a little more deeper, you need to understand whatever is literally written in the scripture is just not what it literally means. Alright? And what we need to understand, and this is what I shared last week, and I want to go in a little more today, okay? Every word that you read in scripture, when you don't understand it, you need to understand that there could be a symbolism that God is trying to attach to that word that he's mentioned. Alright? It's not just literally what it means, you know, when you just read it, you can't just literally read it off as a little thing and pass it off. There could be a symbolic language that God is trying to communicate through that particular and if you remember, you know, I said this, you know, previously two weeks ago, you know, the reason, okay, Jesus, when disciples approached Jesus and asked him, you know, can you explain this parable? You know what Jesus told them? Do you not understand this parable? And if you don't understand this parable, how would you understand all the other parables? So there's something about this parable that, man, if you can understand this parable the way Jesus wants you to understand it, it is possible that, man, as you read through scripture, you can understand a lot more than what you could possibly do on your understanding. Having said that, here's what I want us to understand. What does Jesus mean when he says, come? How many of you are gardening? How many of you are interested in gardening? Okay, when I say thorn, what's the first thing that comes into your mind? So already, I shouldn't have told you gardening, should I? What's the first thing that comes into your mind? Rose. <laughs> Wow, you girls, how many roses have you received? <laughs> here's the thing that I want us to understand, okay? When it talks about thorns, this is what Jesus is talking about here. He's talking about those thorns, you know. You girls started. Some guy comes and gives you a rose and... Ouch! 
Is that, is that the thorn that he's talking about here? Or is there something symbolic that Jesus is trying to address and say that, listen, you've got to understand what I'm talking about when it talks about thorns in the scripture. It's a symbolic language. And, and like I said earlier, you know, I don't know if you remember this, okay? What do you mean by parable? Jesus often spoke in parables, didn't he? He often spoke in parables. And what does it mean by a parable? A parable, here's what I explained this week one, okay? Parable is literally a truth. That Jesus chooses to associate with the story and he throws it alongside us. Parabola. I don't know if you remember that. Alright. Parable is something, it's a truth, you know, that Jesus assembles in a story and he gives it to us so that man, we can understand the truth that's associated with that story. What did Jesus mean when he says thorns in this particular context? Now, before we understand what thorns are, let me show you another word in the script. Alright? There's a word that's called as scorpions. How many of you know what a scorpion is? Little scorpion. I'm talking about little scorpion. Now don't get confused. Are you talking about the symbolic number? Not yet. Not yet. We'll get there. You know what a scorpion is, right? Okay. So I'm going to pretend like, you know, there's no symbolic language in the scripture. Okay. And I'm going to show you a scripture and I want you to read the scripture and see what it means. Luke chapter 10 verse 17 to 19. Then the 70 returned with joy saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. Verse 18. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Now, I want you to just look at the first part of the scripture. Alright? The 70, the disciples, okay, and the others, you know, who were there. They all, you know, they went out because Jesus told them to go out. Alright? And they return with joy. So I want you to imagine, you know, a group that's coming up, that's coming back like really pumped up. They're excited. They're like, proof. this is too good, you know, too good to be true. They're coming back with all of this excitement. They're coming back to Jesus. And I don't know, I mean, you know, thank God. I don't know if it's thank God you know, that they didn't have Instagram during that day. I'm assuming maybe they clicked a few pictures, you know, selfies and, you know, posting all that. And, and you know, they sent it to Jesus. And was Jesus excited? Read, read scripture for yourself. What is Jesus excited? He said, I saw Satan fall down like that. I'm assuming, you know, the disciples, if they were an Instagram generation, like, you know, some of us are today, okay. Jesus, no likes. I mean, you didn't even share it, repost it, nothing. I mean, Jesus, the demons are subject to us. They were listening to us. When we told them, get out, they got out. They didn't, you know, argue with us. They, didn't, they were listening to us, Jesus. And Jesus was not excited. He just responded. I saw Satan fall down like that. I was there when it happened. Satan was the worship leader in heaven. I saw when it happened. He fell down like lightning. But what he says, you know, following that is so powerful. He says, Behold, I give you the authority to trample over serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Now, if I don't understand symbolic language in the scripture, when I read that scripture, what should I think about? Lord, you're giving me authority to trample over serpents and scorpions? So, I mean, when I see a snake, I don't have to be scared. I can just, God has given me the authority. Is that what it means? Come on, church. Think about it. 
When he's saying here that I've given you the authority to trample over serpents and this. And if you don't understand that there is symbolic language in scripture. That man, when Jesus or God says about a specific thing. He's not literally referring to what that is. But there is a symbolism that's attached to it. And I need to understand what that symbolism means. Now I want you to think about this. What do you think it means here when Jesus says, I give you the authority to trample over serpents and scorpions? What do you think it means? We saw serpent last week. Who does serpent represent? Genesis 3.1 We saw it last week that the revelation says the serpent of the old was Satan himself. So serpents here, if that's Satan, what do you think scorpions mean? We saw this last week as well. Satan, when he fell down from heaven, Jesus says, I saw Satan fall down like lightning. When God cast Satan out of heavens, when he was still a worship leader, a third of the angels also fell down with him. Satan doesn't work alone. Satan is not omnipresent. I mean, again, I don't want to get too detailed about that, but some of you know what I'm talking about. Satan is not present everywhere like God is present. Satan has a third of fallen angels with him that does his work. There are demonic angels, there are demonic spirits that work in this place, even in this world as we speak. And when he's saying here, what is he saying here? Listen, I've given you the authority to trample over serpents and scorpions. What is he saying? I've given you the authority over every demonic force that is present in this world. So we know that man, Jesus himself is saying that serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, what does it represent? It represents demonic spirits. That's what it represents. Serpents and scorpions literally mean demonic spirits in scripture. Now let me show you another scripture, okay? Ezekiel chapter 2 verse 3 to 6 and he God said to Ezekiel to me son of man I'm sending you to the children of Israel now I want you to you know pay attention to what God is saying there. he's saying listen son of man he's talking to Ezekiel Ezekiel son of man I want you to listen to me I want you to go you know to the children of Israel they're a rebellious nation that has rebelled against me he's where is he going he's going to the children of Israel who are the children of Israel let me just put it in one word. They're believers. They're people like us who believe in God. Okay, They're a rebellious nation that has rebelled against me. They and their fathers have transgressed against me to this very day. Not just them, even their fathers, they have, you know, sinned against me. Alright? And for they are impudent and stubborn children. They're not just rebelling, they're also stubborn. They don't listen. I'm sending you to them. Ezekiel, I'm sending you to them. And here's what he's saying. Thus says the Lord. As for them, whether they hear or whether they refuse to hear, for they are a rebellious house, yet they will know what, that a prophet has been among them. And then look at the encouragement that, you know, God gives to Ezekiel in verse 6. He's already saying, And you, son of man, do not be afraid of them, nor be afraid of their words. Throw briars and thorns are with you, and you dwell among scorpions. Do not be afraid of their words or dismayed by their looks, though they are a rebellious house. Either Ezekiel's house was in a very deplorable condition or the scorpions and the thorns and the briars that's mentioned there is a symbolic representation of something that we need to understand. Think about, think about what he told them. What does he say? Though briars and thorns are with you and you dwell among scorpions. Do you think Ezekiel was living with real scorpions there? How many of you have seen a scorpion? Do you know scorpions are poisonous? They are, right? 
What happens if they bite you? Never mind. Do you think Ezekiel was living with literal scorpions there? I mean, if that's true, then I mean, because here's what he says, you know, don't be afraid of them and be afraid of their words. I know you're dwelling with scorpions. I know you're living among scorpions. Is that what he means? Here's what I want us to understand. Scorpions represents demonic spirits. And what is, what is, you know, God telling, what is God telling Ezekiel? He's saying, listen, do not be afraid of the Israelites. Do not be afraid of the children of, you know, Israel. Even though briars and thorns are with you and you dwell amongst, can I replace that word with demonic spirits? There are demons there. There are demonic strongholds there. And I know I'm sending you into that place, but do not be afraid of those demonic strongholds because I am with you. Does this make sense? You might be thinking, Pastor, why are you, you know, like going in so deep? The reason I'm doing this is because, listen, if you today, you're at a stage where you're just beginning in your relationship with God. And you've been reading the Bible, you've been reading through the scriptures and many of the things that's mentioned in that scripture doesn't make sense. I don't want us to, you know, maybe just flip over, flip over, flip over. Okay, I don't understand. I, don't, I want us to understand that there is symbolism in the Bible. And it's important to understand that God speaks in parables. Jesus spoke in parables. The entire scripture from the book of Genesis to the book of Revelation, there's a lot of parabolic, you know, symbolic languages that God brings in. And when we learn to understand what those mean, I'm telling you, scripture will come so alive for you. Scripture will come so alive for you. You'll be so excited, you know, to keep reading the Bible. I remember, you know, when I got saved, you know, when, 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 when I just accepted Jesus Christ, I was just beginning in God. I remember I was so excited by the word of God. I, you know, just like, I mean, I was in college, you know, when I got saved. And as soon as my exams got over, you know, we, we had to go home. I mean, you, you get that, right? Like two, three weeks, you go home. And I remember I went home and I would take my scripture. I remember our pastor, he told me, listen, it's important you read through the New Testament since you've just got saved. And I took the New Testament from Matthew to Revelation, Matthew to Revelation. That whole three weeks, I was so immersed in the scripture. You know, when my mom would come to my room, morning I would be reading the Bible. Afternoon I would be reading the Bible. In the evening I would be reading the Bible. She's like, why are you always reading the Bible? I'm like, man, this is so exciting. I can't put this word down. And when I begin to recognize that, man, there is symbolic language in the scripture. You know, I begin to turn through the scripture. I mean, I've seen this word before. Where is this word? Do you know, come any other place in the scripture. And here's what I want us to understand. You know, when you're going through, you know, the Bible, when you're going through certain words that you don't understand, pause. Okay. Thank, you know, God for Google and all those search engines. And if you have a Bible app, I'm telling you, open up that Bible app. Put that word in that search engine there and see where all, you know, this same word reappears again and again and again. I'm giving you, you know, another tip, you know, how we pastors prepare messages. All right. You want to prepare a message? I'm telling you, listen, take one word in the Bible, see where all the scriptures come in and try to see what God is trying to communicate through every one of those words that's mentioned there. Every one of those words. And I'm telling you, listen, when you are able to recognize, and here's what I want us to understand. Every word in the Bible, please don't assume what it means. Because the Bible is very clear and very emphatic on the words that's mentioned there. This is what it literally means. Does that make sense? Let me show it to you. Let me show you a scripture that is so well known to all of us. All right? You have read this verse so many times. You might have quoted it as well. Maybe on your own life. And you've always assumed, 
I promise you always assume that this word means something. You ready? Here we go. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7. Paul is writing to the church at Corinth and here's what he says. And lest I should be exalted above measure of the abundance of revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me by, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, comma. I'll come back to comma. Comma is so important. All right. A messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. How many of you have read the scripture before? I'm sure you all have your explanations for it, right? Come on, church, talk to me. Thorn. Jesus mentioned thorn in the parable that we're looking at. Paul is talking about a thorn that is mentioned here. We saw in the book of Ezekiel, he talks about briars and thorns. It's the same word that is mentioned there. And then, you know, you might be asking me, but pastor, couldn't thorn mean something in there and couldn't thorn mean something in here? No. Do you know why? Because there's only one person who wrote the entire Bible that you have. Do you know what his name is? What's his name? God with the Holy Spirit. There are many authors of the Bible. There are many books in the Bible. But it's one author who designed and who helped them to write every word that was written there. So when thorns mean something in this particular context, it means the same thing in the other context. Now, Here's what I want us to understand. What's the thorn? What is Paul saying here? A thorn in the flesh was given to me. Why? Because, man, I had all this revelation. I was, you know, really growing in God. And I had all this abundance of knowledge and revelation. All of those things. All right? So that, you know, I would not be lifted up. Have you ever done that to people? You don't praise them too much because... But here's what he's saying. Listen, so that I don't, you know, be puffed up. He's saying, a thorn in the flesh was given to me. Now, like I said, you know, do not assume what a word means when you read through scripture. Because here's what Paul is saying. You know what the thorn is? You know what the thorn is? Church, just read your scripture. It's right there. What's this thorn in the flesh? Comma, like I told you, comma is so important. Right? What's the thorn in the flesh? What is Paul saying here? The thorn in the flesh is a messenger of Satan. That's what a thorn is. See, here's the thing that we don't understand. We think that, man, a thorn could mean that. A thorn could mean this. No, 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 no. Listen, we know what the thorn means. The thorn is a messenger of Satan. What is, who is a messenger of Satan? Okay, in the literal translation, the Greek word that's mentioned there is the word angelos. Angelos is also the word that we use as angel. In many places, it's mentioned as, you know, the angel of Satan. It literally means a fallen angel. It means a demonic spirit. And what is Paul saying here? Listen, who, who's the thorn that he's talking about here? Listen, there's no confusion there. It's a messenger of Satan. It's a demonic spirit that has been, you know, at my life. Now, the question we should not be asking is, no, what the thorn is? We shouldn't be asking, you know, what the thorn is? You know what we should be asking? We should be asking, how did it manifest? Because I promise you, demonic manifestations are real. I don't want to scare you this morning. But I'm saying that's real. And the question that we need to be asking is, okay, Paul, you're saying that there was a thorn. I get it. Okay, that's a messenger saying that's a demonic spirit. But how did it manifest? Many commentators, you know, they believe, you know, Paul, one of the things that he's talking about when he talks about the thorn here, he's talking about, you know, the fact that, man, 
there was blindness in his eye because one of the letters you know paul writes to the church he's saying you know my eyes are failing me so they say you know it that could have been the possibility that the thorn that he's referring to you know some places it says you know it could have been something else but here's what i don't want us to miss out on we do not know you know what way the thorn manifested we do not know what way the demonic spirit manifested for paul there but we do know one thing when he's referring to a thorn he's talking about the demonic spirit does it make sense church here's what i want us to understand why am i doing this why am i doing this in so depth i don't have to but the reason i'm doing this is so that man you would get inspired when you go back to reading your own See, it's one thing to come on Sunday morning and listen to a good word and go back and be happy with it. But it's another thing to go back, take up the scripture for yourself and be excited and say that, man, there's so much more I can learn from this. There's so much more that I can understand now. And I'm, I'm praying and I'm hoping that, man, as you listen to this, it would inspire you back to go back to God's word and study it for yourself. Why? Because here's the thing. Here's what Jesus promises. If the word remains in you, what's going to happen to you? You're going to be able to bear fruit. It's a promise. it's a promise you know sometimes you know you might be thinking pastor i don't understand what's the connection between god's word and success in my studies what's the connection between god's word and success in my career what's the connection between god's word and you know success in my family or my relationships i promise you if you can just get the scripture inside of you if you allow that word to remain if you allow that to take root it will bear the fruit before you even know it how does it work i'm not going to tell you you find out for yourself but i promise you this is something i'm telling you most of you young people listen if you can just get this one truth get you know into the word of god get into the scripture keep you know meditating keep studying it go deeper and deeper into the scripture you will see success in every area of your life i'm not saying that jesus said it you want to see fruit happen in every area of your life get into god's word can i show you some other places the thorns and briars came you ready numbers chapter 33 verse 55 god is speaking to moses and you know the israelites okay this is before they enter the promised land and he's what he says but if you do not drive out the inhabitants of that land before you then it shall be that those whom you let remain shall be irritants in your eyes and thorns in your sides and they shall harass you in the land where you dwell what's the word that's stuck out for you Thank you. You're paying attention. I thought I lost you halfway through. <laughs> Can you see the thorns there? What did we just learn? What does thorns represent? Demonic spirits. Messenger of Satan. We just read that. Paul very clearly, scripture clearly says, what's a thorn? A thorn is a messenger of Satan. Does this verse make a little more sense? No. But imagine you didn't know that. Imagine you don't know what thorns mean. And you've been look, reading that scripture and saying, but if you do not dry out the inhabitants of the land, okay they shall it shall be that those who let remain they shall be irritants in your eyes and thorns on your side either you know the promised land had a lot of thorns and gardens or now it makes a lot more sense you will be amongst demonic strongholds when you enter into that place but how will that remain if you do not drive out the inhabitants from that land one more scripture and i'll tell you what that means okay judges chapter 2 verse 3 here's what it says Therefore I also said I will not drive them out before you but they shall be what They shall be thorns in your side and their gods shall be a snare to you Turn to the person sitting next to you and tell them Now you do you know what thorns are 
Yes, sir. If you do not, he's telling the children of Israel, you're going into the promised land. By the way, let me just, just clarify that for you. The promised land is not heaven. Okay. Israelites broke out of bondage from Egypt. They walked through the desert for how many years? 40 years. And then they entered into the promised land. Okay. Earth here is not the wilderness for you. You didn't seem to understand. Earth here is not the wilderness for you. Can I hear an amen? The life that you're living, but pastor, Manipal, I'm sure this is the wilderness experience for me. It might be a wilderness experience for you, but it's not the desert that God's called you to live. Do you know what the promised land in scripture represents? Symbolic language. The promised land in scripture, you know what it represents? It represents an overcoming Christian life. That's what it represents. It represents a life of victory. It represents a life of success. Where? Not in heaven. Here on this earth. You know what Jesus said? I've come so that you might have life and life in abundance. What does that mean? It means that, man, we're not just called to, you know, just somehow get through, you know, oh man, I made it. Next day, challenge. Okay, I made it. No. He's called us to walk in victory and success every day of our lives. That's the promised land. But what is he saying here? How do you get into that place? If you do not dry out, now you remember the story of Israel. There were a lot of, you know, giants in that land. Do you remember? Okay, cousins of uh, Goliath the Great, right? There are a lot of giants in that land. And what did, he, what did God instruct clearly? Listen, when you enter into that land, I want you to drive out every one of those inhabitants, every one of those giants. Can I tell you, church, today, what does this mean for us? Do you know that you're facing giants every day? Come on, talk to me. Of course we are, aren't we? Okay. Depression and panic attacks is like the common thing. Oh, you don't have panic attacks? Huh? How is that possible? I mean, I think it's come down to that, I think. It's so common and these are giants. These are real giants that we're facing today. And you know what he's saying? Listen, if you don't drive out, can I give you some of the giants that we are facing today? Are you ready? All right. I made a list. Can I just read that list? Is that okay? Okay, I, I love my list. Okay, give me, let me just read that. Okay. If you don't drive out bitterness, if you don't drive out unforgiveness, if you don't drive out hate, lust, envy, jealousy, pride, you know what he's saying? Read the remaining, read the remaining part of that scripture. If you don't drive out lust, if you don't drive out unforgiveness, if you don't drive out bitterness, if you don't drive out pride in your life, you know what's going to happen? It's going to open the doorway. They will remain irritants in your eyes and they will be thorns. It will open the doorway for demonic manifestation in your life. It will open the doorway for demonic manifestation. I mean, you hold on to bitterness. That person said this to me. This person did that to me. You know, it happened so many years back, but I still remember it like it happened yesterday. And you're holding on to that bitterness. You're holding on to that anger and envy. And I mean, all that bitterness and resentment towards that person. You know what he's saying? If you don't drive it out from your heart, you know what's going to happen to you? You're opening the doorway for the enemy to come in and work in your life. This is not just true here, isn't it? Jesus talks about this in another parable. He talks about the parable of the unforgiving servant. How many of you remember that? The unforgiving servant. What happened to the unforgiving servant? The master, he owed the master, you know, a certain debt. 
the master forgave him of all the debt because it was a huge debt he couldn't pay it back and then the servant went out and he found another servant who owed him something what did that servant do he didn't forgive and as a result what happened to the master the master came back you ungrateful servant you should have forgiven your debt just like i forgave yours but you didn't do it and you know what the master did he turned him over to the torturers that's what new testament says i'm telling you church demonic spirits is real demonic manifestation is real and here's what he's saying listen if you don't drive these things out of your heart and if you keep holding on to them if you keep harboring them inside your heart what's he saying there shall be remain irritants in your eyes and they shall be thorns in your side and we know what thorns mean it's demonic manifestation this is makes sense let's come back to the parable and i'll quickly close with a prayer jesus says the third group of people who are close to god who've been walking with god okay if they're not careful what's going to happen the thorns are going to grow and they're going to choke the word out from their lips all right and three things that jesus very specifically mentions in this parable okay and initially i thought i'll rename it as something cool and something to remember but i thought you know what this is jesus three points and what's better way to memorize this you know rather than me coming up with something so i've just labeled it as that okay here's the three things that jesus says all right three areas in our life and here's what i want us to understand these are thorns these are thorns that jesus represents says that it is represents and if you're not careful these thorns can grow in your life and it can choke out the word of god that has been deposited inside you that's what the parable says so what are the three things that you know jesus talks about the number one the cares of this the cares of this world Jesus said that you know this can become a thorn in your life how many of you have cares in this world yeah we do right i mean there's no doubt about that i mean we care because exams are coming we better pass that i mean our parents are spending so much money you know to sending us we better pass that exam somehow And, and and you know we have cares you know if our friends dump us and they go off on a gang and they post pictures on instagram and you're not there and you be like what the hell happened i mean those are cares those are real cares that you're dealing with right maybe you know i'm just this is like tip of the thing there could be things that's more deeper that's really caring that you know things that you're carrying things burdens that you're carrying on your shoulders hey will i get a job opening will i be able to you know live life in a good way i mean those are things you know that we keep thinking about those are you know cares that we carry but can i tell you this did you know that we're not designed to carry burdens you know what peter peter says it this way okay first peter chapter 5 verse and here's what he says casting all your care upon him for he cares for quick 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 break okay where do you think i got this verse from is it a common word yeah see i'm preparing you to become preachers you should really come and thank me after the service that's where i got that scripture from jesus said cares of this world hey where else is cares come in the scripture i searched my search engine put your search engine to good use sometime I figured out okay man Peter talks about cares as well and what is he say you need to cast all your care upon him for he cares See here's the truth about scripture here's the truth about you here's the truth about me we're not designed to carry stuff we're not If you remember I think it was in week 
I think yeah, last week we, we talk about sheep. Who's the sheep? When Bible talks about sheep, who's the sheep? We are, right? Not real sheep, you know, in some... We are the sheep of his pasture. Did you know? I don't know if you know this. Did you know that sheep are not designed to carry loads? Think about it. Have you ever seen a picture where, you know, some man decides that he is going to dump all of his bags and luggage and everything on a sheep? Have you seen sheep do that? Where do they dump all their luggage and listen? Camels. Right? The camels are designed to carry load. And guess what? We have been compared to sheep in scripture. We are not designed to carry a lot of heavy burden. But you know what the problem is? Many of us, we carry our own load. We carry our own load. What is Peter saying here? Listen, you need to cast all your care upon where? Upon him. You need to take what you're carrying, all that burden, all that load. You need to come and lay it at his feet. And you know what? what things that I've never, never been able to wrap around, okay? I've been in youth ministry for a very long time very long time. I've been around young people and one of the things, you know, over the years I've seen, you know, when, when someone comes to me and they say, oh, pastor, this is happening, that is happening. And I, and I ask them often this question, hey, have you prayed about it? Have you given it to the Lord? And you know what they tell me? Oh, yeah, many times. I prayed about it so many times. But you know, pastor, this is like that, this is like this, this is like that. And you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm like thinking, how is it even possible that you've prayed about, you know, the stuff that you're carrying? And you know, let me let me draw you a image, you know, because I'm very imaginative. I'm just saying, okay, my mind can run wild on imagination. Every time a young person comes and tells me that, you know, what's the picture that runs in my mind? Can I paint that in front of you? Is that okay? Can I paint it for you? You know what? You know, you know, you know this is what I'm saying. All right, I've taken it to the Lord many times. You know, this 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 is the load that I'm carrying. I've I've, I've taken God, take it, take it from me. Take take take. No, do something. Please, please do something. You're not doing anything about it anyway. I'll take it back. Can you see it? Isn't that we do sometimes that what we do? We pray about it. Okay, we, we, we say, okay, we need to pray, we need to pray. Okay, man, we've got our prayer list down and this is at the top of our prayer list. We take it to the Lord and then what do we do? As soon as we finish prayer, Jesus' name, Amen. because the reason you know we, we, we lay it there we take it back we lay it there we take it back and what is he saying listen cast it there leave it there and you know Peter Peter, what was his profession come on he was a fisherman he's using fisherman language can you see that there? he's casting it out so he's saying listen cast your care just cast your care I've done it so many times you know it was a part of my profession cast my net cast my net and Jesus came in I cast my problems on him I cast my problems on him and I would just walk away how many of us would be able to come into a place in our spiritual life with the Lord where we take the cares that we have and the concerns and the worries that we have and we say, Lord, take care of it. I'm going to walk away from it. I don't know what's going to happen. I'm not going to break my head over it. That's what Peter is saying. And he's saying, you know what Jesus said? Listen, if you don't do this, what's going to happen? If you don't do this, they're going to be like thorns amongst you. And they will open up the doorway for demonic spirits to come in. And I told you, you know, I've, I've said this again. You know, let me say this again. Depression and panic attacks are the norm of the day. Do you know why? Because of this reason. 
people are carrying loads where they never designed to carry people are carrying so much of weight and so much of burden they're not designed to carry if only you know at least the believers i mean okay i get it the world don't doesn't know jesus but at least the people in the church the believers in the world would understand this principle that you know what i just need to leave it there and i can just walk out but we find it very difficult to do that because he's still clinging on to that problem we're not sure if we can trust god to you know completely walk away and leave it into the hands and jesus saying listen if you don't do this the thorns of the place are going to come in and take the word that is already inside you that's number one cares of this world number two deceitfulness of riches okay two scriptures okay quickly first timothy chapter 6 verse 17 here's what paul writes to timothy command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty which means proud not to trust in uncertain riches but in the living god who gives us richly all things to enjoy quick 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 can can did you identify what i want you to identify how did i get the scripture the jesus said the deceitfulness of riches can you see riches there you guys might replace me i mean i may not have a job soon that's where i got that scripture from uncertain riches do not trust in uncertain riches but in living god who gives us richly all things to enjoy first timothy 6 verse 9 to 10 but those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and harmful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition for the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil for which some are strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierce themselves through with many sorrows you see those two scriptures there are three things that jesus said first scripture it says you listen do not trust in uncertain riches can you see that there he's saying don't don't trust in these uncertain riches these riches okay you can have it but they're not certain you might have it today tomorrow you will not have it so you can't put your trust in that that's one and what does he say the second thing those who desire to be rich fall into a temptation and snare what's the second thing that he says one is do not trust the second thing don't you know keep running after this riches of this world don't keep running after you know money and riches and all of those things he's saying listen don't do that and what's the last thing that he says for the love of money what's he saying listen don't love money can you see those three things there he's saying listen do not trust do not desire and do not fall in love with riches or money do you know why he's saying that because these three things we are not supposed to do it with uncertain riches and money do you know who we are supposed to do this with we are called to trust god we are called to desire after god and we are called to love god why is he saying this he's saying listen it's not going to last and if you keep running after money if you keep looking after all of these things you know what he's saying listen what's the last part of that saying he's saying listen you will pierce yourself with many sorrows you know one of the things you know when i talk to young people i ask them this all the time okay i ask them why are you in this course okay you sat with me i've asked you this sometimes okay i ask you why are you in this course what are you looking for and what's the common answer that you get so that i get a good job really is that what you're looking for is that all you want no 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 i want a good job 
Okay, MIT will probably call it as good package. Okay, I want a good package. Package of what? Sweets, sir? No. I want a good package. I want a good, you know, income. Why do you want a good income? The first, you know, honest answer, I, it is it's honest, right? I mean, I want to support my parents. I want to really support my parents. They spend so much money for me. They, I want to really, you know, go out for my parents. That's all? No, I mean, then I want, you know, like, you know, to live a good life. So modest, right? So, I want to live a good life. Oh, good life, not a great life. I don't great life for that I need I need I need money I need riches I remember when I started my clinic you know years back I started very small okay and I didn't have you know all the money and all of those things so I started very small I'm a dentist okay by profession I had one dental chair how many of you been on a dental chair been on a dental chair thank you very much pleasant experience I'm saying, okay, I had one dental chair. And I remember, you know, I started out with just a few instruments. And I mean, there was so much of equipment to buy. And I didn't have money for that. And I remember, you know, every day I would like sit down. I would pray. I would say, Lord, Lord, bless the clinic, you know, send more patients. You know, always say this, okay. You know, I, I don't know whose prayer God will answer. You know, when we pray for fullness and health and the doctors pray, Lord, send more patients. I'm sure God is confused, you know, sometimes, okay, like. I would pray for that, okay? And, and I remember one time I was like thinking through all the equipments that I still did not have at that time. And I remember praying, Lord, I, I think I need that equipment. I need this and I don't have this and I want that. And, and then, you know, suddenly this thought came into my mind, man, if I had more money, I could have purchased all that. I could have purchased all of this equipment and then, you know, my clinic would be like really good, you know, for any patient who walks into the clinic because I have all the equipment. And then suddenly, you know, in prayer, I could sense, you know, the Holy Spirit was literally asking me this question. Is that all that you need? You just need more money. Is that all? And suddenly it struck me. And I'm hoping it strikes you as well, church, this morning. That I realized that, man, if yes, it's true, if I had money, I could buy all this equipment. But then, you know what the Holy Spirit reminded me? But then I wouldn't need God, would I? I wouldn't need God. And I realized that and I began to tell the Lord, Lord, you know what? I don't need more money, I need you. I don't need more riches, I need more of you. I don't need more of money, I don't need more of all this equipment, I need more of you. And I began to pursue the Lord. And I'm telling you, this was like around 15, 16 years ago. Today, the single chair practice, okay, for the glory of God, has grown up to a three chair practice. I've got dentists under me, I've got staff under me. I've, you know, the clinic has expanded and grown. And today also, if you ask me, Pastor, now you have money? There is, a, there is a truth that you should take from your from this message. This truth that I want you to grab, you know, as you go forward in your student life and in your careers. Listen, learn to chase more of God rather than chase all the possessions of this world. And you will see all of these things come to pass. Which brings me to the last point which Jesus said, okay. The desires for other things. The cares of this world, the deceitfulness, riches, the desires for other things. Matthew 6, 31, 33, I think we, most of us, we know this. Therefore, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? 
for after all these things the gentiles seek can you see it pastor so that's your secret can you see it after all these things where did i get all this verse from the desires for other things after all these things the gentiles seek for your heavenly father knows that you need what all these things but seek first the kingdom of god and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you i've not only given you the message i've given you the secret of how i prepare it i pray that all of you become great preachers but here's the truth here's what he says you seek first the kingdom of god and all of these things that you need god knows Here's the thing that I want us to look at. Okay, we are called to focus on God, and God says all of these things will be added unto us. Are you with me? All right. What I want us to look at is what Jesus said: the desires for other things. We know the secret to get all these things: pursue God, seek God first, make sure that you know God is first in your life. We know the secret to it. But what does it mean by desire? The original word translation for the word desire is epithumia. Okay, I know it like I know that you love it when I give you Greek words. Okay, but the word means epithumia. Okay, it's translated in many places as lust. Okay, you heard of lust? What's the first thing that comes in your mind when you think of the word lust? Never mind. Well, I I think you know. original word translation for this word is lust in fact let me read you the kjv version how many of you read kjv king james original king james the hardcore thou shall thee and all let me just read that to you mark 419 jesus said you know and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and the lusts of other things entering in choke the word and it becometh unfruitful can you see the word desire is originally translated in kjv lust the problem when we think about this word lust is because it paints a very negative image in our mind it does all right and in fact you know many translators you know when they were using this word epithumia the original word they translated it as instead of lust they translated it as desire because they felt man if we use this word lust it would present or it would paint a very negative image you know of the reader so they translated that word as going to shock you right now all right did you know that jesus lusted some of you are thinking i knew this was something wrong in this church you didn't hear it did you know that jesus lusted don't 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 raise your alarms yet i'll show it to you this is why i'm telling you the scripture is so amazing when you study it the way it's meant to be studied Did you know that Jesus lusted? You want to read it? Well, let's let's read it. Luke chapter 22 verse 15. Then he Jesus said to them, look at this. With fervent desire I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. Can you see the translation there? It's the same word epithumia. 
What does it mean? Is now here, you know, NKJV, they put it as fervent desire. Do you know what the original translation is? Is it okay if you can say? Lust. You know, can I can I read it in the original translation? Then he said to them, with lust, I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. Like I said, you know, the problem with the word lust is it, it, it paints a very negative image in our mind. It does. But do you know what the root word of this word lust really means? It means intense passion. It means, you know, strong desire. It means strong passion. You know what Jesus is really saying here? He's saying, listen, with strong passion, with intense desire, I have desired to eat this Passover with you. Here's the thing that I want us to catch. Jesus said, you know, the desires for other things, the lust for other things. Here's what he's saying. Listen, if there is anything that you should lust for in this world, Don't go intentionally, passionately chasing all of the things of this world. You know what he's saying? If there's anything that you should pursue passionately with a strong desire, with lust, you know what you should go behind? Let me put it this way. You know who you should go behind? Go behind the Father. And then what does he say? When you do that, all of these things shall be added unto you. I want to close, you know, with this story. This happened, you know, sometime last year, in the beginning of last year. We, I've told many of you this, you know, we moved to Manipal, you know, sometime in the beginning of last year, sometime during the month of March, April. That's when the academic year for my children were, you know, transitioning. So we decided to move to Manipal back then. And I remember this very clearly, you know, we, we, we were told, we felt God was telling us to move to Manipal, you know, very, very long back. Okay, almost two years ago, he had told us to move in, but we, we held it back. And one of the reasons we held it back was because I couldn't settle it in my heart. I really couldn't settle it in my heart. Because when I when I looked or even thought about the whole process of shifting, you know, from Mangalore, that's where we were, you know, into Manipal, the whole thing was, you know, like like a, like a mirage, you know, like, like the thing that, man, I don't know why I would even think or consider even something like that. Why? Because, man, my clinic is so near to Mangalore. We have a good church there. My children are growing up. There's an amazing Sunday school there. Everything, you know, we have families, you know, who we've known for years together. Everything is so good in Mangalore. And then I'm thinking, you know, God is putting this desire, God is putting this thing inside my heart. Would you go to Manipal? And at that time, you know, I've told this before, you know, we had three people in the church at that point of time. Just three people. And we had this church service in the evening and I used to think, man, it's so convenient, you know, Mangalore evening. We just go to Manipal in the evening, conduct the service, come back. And that's what we did for almost, you know, three years, two years. And when God put this thing inside of my heart, you know, I began to argue and I began to tell God, no, God, it's, I mean, I can do this, you know, continuously. I can just go there, come back. Why would I want to shift to Manipal, take the whole family and go to Manipal? And I remember, you know, one time after the Sunday service in the evening was over, we were driving back to Mangalore and, you know, the kids had fallen asleep and, you know, my wife, Anu, she started speaking to me and she, she began to tell me, you know what, I really think we should shift to Manipal. And I said, no, you, we can't. And, you know, and then she said, you said yourself, God spoke to you about moving to Manipal. What are we waiting for? Why are we doing this? And I remember, you know, in that whole process, you know, the remaining part of that journey, you know, we just started arguing. Some of you are looking like, Pastor, you argued with him. We're normal people. Just like you. We argue. Husband and wife need to argue. And we 
argued the whole you know the whole journey back and you know i was angry and she was angry and you know we, we this and and i remember that night okay we made peace with each other okay that's something that we've always committed to do you know no matter how much angry we are at each other we always made a commitment we're going to find peace with each other before we go to bed scripture says that right okay yeah, don't let the sun go down so we did all that okay and and i'm saying you know that night i couldn't sleep i kept tossing and turning in the bed and i knew that man there's something that you know god wanted to speak and i knew that this whole burden of moving to manipal was something that you know that was really struggling with i got up at 2:30 in the morning 2:30 in the morning i decided you know what for once and for all i'm going to settle this with god one on one i'm telling you every time you decide to go one on one with god you be a little careful i went one on one with god straight up one on one with god i said god we are not moving to manipal and these are the reasons why we are not moving to manipal where is the money going to come from where is everything going to this i mean my my children their academics i mean they have so many friends here i have so many friends here my clinic how am i even going to make this whole journey you know up to the clinic what's going to happen of all of these things what's going to happen and i listed it out listed it out i'm telling you god kept silent right throughout the whole complaining and god does that it's not a word from god I remember you know it was so it was so just silence you know just silence from god and i remember the thing that you know that really stood out was he asked me are you done are you done I said you're done so i've spoken for so long and you've not said a word you know like say something and then He took me back you know to years before when i was just a student and i have have shared this you know i had an amazing academic background okay i was the top of my class not from the top down from bottom up five year course i've taken seven and a half years to complete i openly say this i'm not scared or ashamed to admit this but i remember you know with that whole process God took me back and he said do you remember the first time you ever came to me and i remember that because so well and i've even to this day i've not forgotten that why because man when i came to god i was a complete failure i had nothing in my life that i could say was this or that you know every time i would be scared to talk to somebody every time i would be scared to go to even church why because man i felt the people in the church were successful and when they saw a failure like me they would just turn me off i had nothing that i could say that man this is something that i can boast about nothing absolutely nothing and he said you came to me that way and then you know he showed me the same list that i had presented to him he showed me the same list and every one of those things he pointed it out and you know what he said where in those blessings that i gave to you like i said if you go one on one with god you better be careful family my good church all of these things are things that you have blessed me with and then he said do you remember when you were a young boy you used to be madly and passionately in love with me and if i would tell you to do anything you would not even think twice you would jump and you would just go ahead you would be a fool for me do you remember that i said yes father because i had nothing 
to hold on to i had nothing and i said lord i would dance for you in the streets if i have to just like david danced i would do anything for you if you tell me to go i will go i would not have anything because i did not have anything and then he said what happened to that suddenly you have all these things and now you're finding it difficult to let go of all of these things and then he said the biggest question which i love is one danny what if this kid will you still trust in me Desires for other things. If there's anything that you should strongly desire, it's God. And every one of the things that you're crying out to God for, every one of the blessings that you're crying out to God for, I promise you, you will get it from God. But if you allow the desire for other things to take over, it will open. Church, can we just look to the Lord in prayer? I know that we have, you know, gone a little longer today. But I strongly believe, you know, the presence of God is in this place. And I know that the Holy Spirit is inspiring certain things into your heart this morning. And church, this morning, I want you to ask yourself... If there's anything that prevents you from becoming close to God, it are those three things, you know, that Jesus mentioned here. Because he said, if you allow these things to take over, it will open the doorway for the demonic spirits. And you will not be in a place where you become close to God. So this morning, do you have cares of this world that you're so concerned that it has consumed you? extent have you been chasing behind the wrong things the money the position the fame all of these things have you been chasing behind those things or is it the last thing that Jesus mentioned have you been intensely and deeply desiring for the wrong things in this world Jesus compared to them as thorns and he said those are the thorns that choke the word of God that is there inside of you and it's important church to come into a place where we're willing to say God I want you more than any of these things that is there I want to bring my life before you I want to bring my desires before you I want to bring everything that I have and I want to lay it at your feet. 
after this morning i believe the holy spirit is asking some of you you are madly and deeply in love with me there was a time when you had a strong passion for me you would do anything for me and i believe this morning the lord is asking would you come back to that would you come back to that same strong desire that strong passion to follow me and to serve me all the days of your life there's some of you here who's walked away and i believe the holy spirit is asking would you come back so that you can bear fruit in every area of your life church can we just stand up right now in the presence of god and if there's anything right now in your heart in your mind and you know you've been holding on to it for too long you're not let go would you choose to lay it down at the feet of jesus this morning would you choose to lay it down at the feet of jesus this morning and say lord you take it lord i don't want to hold on to these things i don't want to run behind the wrong things lord i want to run after you i want to pursue after you If you're ready to come into that place I believe that you can move into the level where God wants you to move into Thank you Jesus thank you Lord Father we just want to thank you Lord Father for this time thank you Lord Father for your word this morning Lord Lord we know Lord Father Lord that you are there in our midst Lord and Lord Father as you have been speaking to your children this morning Lord I pray Lord Father Lord for the ones who have strayed away Lord the ones Lord Father Lord whose love for you has grown cold over the years Lord I pray this morning Lord that you would bring them back into a place Lord Father where they would be intensely burning for you Lord Lord that passionate desire to serve you would come back into their hearts Lord that they would be willing to stand in the forefront for you Lord they would be willing Lord Father Lord to do anything for you Lord Jesus I pray Lord Father Lord that you would raise up them Lord Father to become giants for you Lord This morning Lord Father I want to pray for all those Lord Father who are still struggling Lord Father with the cares of this world Lord There are people Lord Father this morning who's carrying things Lord and they have still Lord Father finding it difficult to lay it at your feet Lord this morning I pray that you would give them the ability to lay things at your feet Lord and they would lay it at your feet and they would just turn back and walk away Lord there are one some of us here this morning Lord who's struggling who's pursuing Lord Father Lord things of this world and the desires for these riches Lord Father you said in your word Lord Father that is deceitfulness of riches Lord Lord there is a deception in those things Lord Father and help us not to get deceived by those things but help us to come back to that place Lord Father where we love you and we trust you and that we would run after you Lord I thank you Father Lord for the work that you're doing in our hearts this morning Lord I want to surrender Lord Father Lord each of us into your hands Lord Father 
I pray, Lord Jesus, let not thorns remain in our side, Lord. Let not the thorns take the word away from us, Lord. But Lord, help us to move into a place, Lord Father, where the word that is deposited, Lord Father, Lord, will bear fruit for you, Lord Father, 30, 60, and 100 fold, Lord. Father, we want to see those things break out in our lives in the name of Jesus, Lord. And I pray and speak over every person in our church right now this morning, Lord, that you would, Lord Father, help every person this morning, Lord, to be able to bear fruit for you in the name of Jesus, Lord. We thank you, Father. We surrender everything into your hands, Lord. Lord, we pray, Lord, even as we go from this place, Lord, you go before us, Lord, Father, Lord. Fight the battles for us, Lord, Father, and help us, Lord, to see victory in every area of our lives, Lord, Father. We thank you. We praise you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Receive the benediction. May the love of God our Father, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with each and every one of us now and forevermore. Amen. That really spoke to me and I pray that it spoke to you as well. I want you to remember this. It doesn't matter what you're going through and where you're at. Our Heavenly Father is always with you. I want to say this, if you need prayer or you want to reach out to us, send us an email or DM us on Instagram. You know, let us know if we can serve you in any way. Just a reminder, don't forget to subscribe so that you can tune in with us again. And I'm really hoping to see you next week.